it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. your face <laughs> it's been a day i know it's only been a day my goodness it feels like it's been much longer everyone's so impressed with how like what a quick trip it was for you too everyone that's like how was it how was it like with you and marissa and sabrina and then i say how long you guys each stayed and they're like wait sabrina was only in town for 36 hours and i'm like pretty much yeah <laughs> it was very quick well it's like yeah no it was 36 hours can i tell you um about my plane experience on the way home. Yeah, what happened? It has nothing to do with ghosts. Which, by the way, this is... Two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. So my when I was on my plane ride home, the guy next to me was legitimately watching pornography. What? No The way. entire time. Like, he had saved videos to his phone in order to watch it on the plane. Did you say anything? No. And then meanwhile, I'm watching um, confession tapes. So there's like all these like crime scene photos. With like bloody (laughs) people. Whoever was sitting behind you guys probably thought you were both together. A couple. Because you were both messed up. (laughs) Into really freaky shit. Yeah. That's Um, so disgusting. But then also I feel sad for that person because it's like they either have something is either wrong with them or they have an addiction. Yeah. Or they just right? are completely unaware of their surroundings and don't care. You never know, but that's quite the experience. I I've know. never had that. You know what I just realized? What? So our toilets in our apartment flush like on their own or like make weird noises on their own. And I just had the realization that that might be the reason for so many of our sounds in our podcast. Oh, your toilet flushing? Yeah, it flushes like by itself, but it makes a weird gurgling noise and it doesn't sound like a normal toilet flushing. So I wonder if that's the noise that we hear. Well, if anyone hears noise in the background of my recording right now, my roommate is making dinner, washing dishes, and watching The Voice. So (laughs) there's a lot of different noises you can choose from. (laughs) (laughs) That could be it. Yeah, I changed up my recording area today. So hopefully there's no clicking. Yeah. So Salem today, because today's Halloween that we're actually recording on. Yeah. I was told that all of Salem, basically all the streets were blocked off and you couldn't really get into the town and that it's really crazy on actual Halloween. And I was like, but we were just there this weekend and it wasn't that bad. Like, it was pretty crazy at night, but like, we got parking. Right. But at night, it was crazy. I don't think I've ever experienced something like that. It actually felt like we were in the movie Halloween Town. It was a dream. It really was. Every single person was in costume. And a lot of people were alone in costume and just being freaky and creepy. And it was glorious. You know what I decided today? I saw that Steph Curry dressed up as Jigsaw. And he Mm -hmm. had the tricycle and everything. Oh, that's awesome. And I decided that when I eventually have children in the future and I take them out trick-or-treating, I'm going to... Like, that's how, like, when my kids are really little, I'm going to dress up as Jigsaw with the trike, and I'm going to put a wagon in the back and bring my little mini Jigsaws around with me. Oh, that's awesome. And it's perfect because when little kids are that young, they don't... They They don't don't care care. about what they are. I just actually went to my mailroom earlier, and a little kid was dressed up in, like, all black with the black screen over his face. And I saw him walking out of our clubhouse, and he is walking towards me, and I kind of look at him, but you can't see his face because he has the mask Uh on. And I was like, oh, he's probably going to meet up with his friends. I keep walking. <laughs> I feel him behind me. Oh, no. <laughs> and he, he, pulled a, he pulled a me where I, like, he was just following behind me. And 
being creepy until I turned around and said, ooh, spooky. Oh, he probably loved that. That's yeah, what and he, he was laughed. waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw a man today dressed as Jesus. He pulled up in front of the Pizza Hut and he peed on the side of Pizza Hut. So that's what was happening today for me. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, when we were Ubering into Salem this weekend, we got pulled over because our Uber had a risk. Uh, an expired registration so it wasn't a big deal we got let off with a warning <laughs> but the cop as he's walking up he's walking on the passenger side of the car to be safe and not walk into traffic and he shines the flashlight into the back seat and sabrina's sitting in the middle and she's kind of leaning a little bit forward and she's in her full <laughs> costume and she's not smiling she's just staring at him and the cop he shines the flashlight in and it's like a monster with <laughs> just staring back at him so plain-faced he not literally what he was took expecting. a step back went whoa and then started laughing because he realized he got scared <laughs> and our driver got off with a warning only so yeah you're welcome can we talk more about salem because this week was so much fun this week was a ton of fun i want to do it every year me too it should be our tradition well you're welcome to fly out as long as I'm not sitting next to someone who's watching porn next time I'm into it. Oh, the dream would be if you got put next to, like, a dog or something. I fly with Leia all the time. See, I don't know how animals are able to fly because what if someone's allergic? Like, I probably wouldn't right. be able to be on a plane with a cat for more than, like, a two-hour flight. Well, I wonder... Because you can't take your pets out of a carrier, so I wonder if that helps keep everything the, like, in there. dander in yeah it's just hard with all the air circulating around right i don't know that sucks for people with allergies yeah which is myself but i've I would probably never... been on plates with cats and not even known yeah you probably haven't known i wouldn't because i mean she goes under my seat in her carrier mm-hmm. and no one would notice but then also i would never put her underneath a plane i i feel like just not knowing. I wouldn't want to do that to my animal either. No. I would drive over There are that. stories of pets dying under there. <gasps> what? From like air pressure or something? Yeah. Oh and God, I think there are some so airlines who don't allow it. They're, like you have to do another form of transportation to get them to your location. Well, that's good. Well, shall we talk about witches since we went to Salem and learned all about them? Yes, we should. I don't, I don't know who goes first, but I'll just start off. I think you go first. Okay. Well, I'll just do a little bit of history. So when we were in Salem, we went to the witch house. Mm -hmm. John Corwin owned it. He was a judge, and it's the oldest or the only standing building from the time of the witch trials. Yeah. And then we also tried to go into the witch museum, but the line was way too long. It was so long. Very, very long. So we didn't do that. We did visit all the sites of Hocus Pocus. Yeah, that was cool. And then we also went and saw the place that I'm going to talk about. Oh, yeah, we did. That's really cool. Should you just go first now? Oh, I think, yeah, I guess so. I'll go first. It's a okay, natural, first. Uh, natural. Yeah, yeah, let's not force anything. Let's just be natural about it. Relax, be natural. Okay. I like, I went kind of crazy and I did a lot of research this time, but I'll cut some stuff out. Okay. Um so I researched the old Salem jailhouse and the Giles Corey curse. So the old Salem jailhouse was built in 1813 and closed in 1991. And stories from the jail include a lot of antics from the jailer of Witch County, a lot of escape attempts, and a mysterious curse on the sheriffs of Salem. So initially, the offenders from the county were housed at two separate facilities in Salem, the first Salem jail was operational as early as 1638, and many historians say it was the first detention facility of its kind built in the country. It was located at the corner of Federal and St. Peter Streets, which is where we went. Yes. Um, and it's believed that a lot of victims of Salem's infamous witch trials were incarcerated at the jail. So as the years passed, the original jail began to outgrow its usefulness, and in 1810, they decided to turn it into um, a bigger prison next door to the original jail. 
mm-hmm. which was opened in 1813 next to the cemetery where Giles Corey was pressed to death in 1692 by the by the sheriff. And I'll get more into the the curse and all of yes. that in a little bit because it's really really interesting. Um, so the haunted correctional facility was the host of around 50 hangings, and it was it was only um, there was only one expansion to the jail, and it was in 1885. And nothing was done to improve the jail until 1991 when it closed. Oh my god, that's horrible! Right. So they didn't have any individual plumbing in the cells, and inmates were given five-gallon buckets to use as chamber pots while awaiting their once-a-week trip to the facility's two functioning toilets. That's not okay. I know. They're, they were so awful. And uh, there was also tons of rodents and cockroaches. And then sometimes the um, the prisoners would dump the buckets onto the guards as, re- like, because, as oh, revenge gross. because they were so angry. But then there were also no security cameras in the facility. So there was a ton of violence between inmates and inmates and then also guards and inmates. So there's this, like, story from Brad Upton who – currently works for the Salem Sheriff Department, and he began his career working in the Salem jail in 1986. He said, I don't people, I don't tell people any of my ghost stories anymore because they don't believe them. Like, that's how haunted it was. But he says the conditions were so terrible, and the food was terrible, the pay was terrible, and they had to deal with the, like, the same way that the prisoners were living, the guards basically had to live the same way. They also didn't have uh, toilets to go to, and um, they had to pay for Who their own... Who was running this jail? Well, I think that the there was a... Well, I'll get to there. I agree. <laughs> and um, they had to pay for their own badges and uniforms out of their own pockets. And there are a ton of famous escapes attempted at Salem Jail, and a few of them actually managed to get away. So there was one group, and this story reminds me of Shawshank Redemption, so I wonder if this inspired that story. Because there was a group of prisoners who worked for months removing bricks from the wall of their cell, and they would glue them back in with toothpaste to hide their handiwork. And Ooh. then there was one version of the story where it, so they covered their progress with a poster, which is exactly what in Shawshank Redemption, the hole is covered with a poster. Yeah. Um, and Brad Upton, the guy who worked at the prison said he recalls the times where he was sitting with those inmates in their cells talking to them right next to the poster or right next to the wall and had absolutely no idea what a rush for the inmate too. i know <laughs> living on the edge <laughs> um and then another prisoner named paul fitzpatrick picked the lock on his restraints and jumped out of a paddy wagon while on his way to court not long after he broke free a sheriff or a police officer called the sheriff and said that he was in the phone booth with Fitzpatrick and holding him hostage by the ponytail. And the sheriff at the time asked for a description of the man and was afraid that it wasn't actually Fitzpatrick and that his deputy was just holding some random guy hostage. So he was like, let him go, let him go. Like, we don't want to be accused of anything. And uh, so he let him go. And it turns out it actually was Fitzpatrick. So this guy got away. Yeah. Dude, that guy was so lucky. I know. Um, And then another, there was another huge famous escape, but not by a prisoner, but by magician Harry Houdini, who staged an escape in 1906 from the prison. And then Albert DeSalvo, who was also known as the Boston Strangler, was confined in the Salem jail. So then in 1984... They finally realized how terrible the living conditions were, and uh, 850 inmates shared a settlement of $1,395,000. And some of the inmates didn't think that was enough, so when the jail actually closed in 1991, 13 of the inmates refused to leave their cells, and they had to be dragged out by a riot squad while they threw buckets of their urine. Hmm. I love Mm. it. So then the jail was finally closed, and uh, then the building sat vacant for two decades and became um, kind of a local legend in the town, famous for its folklore and all for all of its ghost stories. 
It was bought and turned into an apartment building. Yep, yep, yep. The site has 23 apartments across three buildings, 19 in the in what was the jail building, three more in what was the keeper's house, and one single unit in what was the carriage house. And then there was also a restaurant added, which is where we went to have some drinks, and um, they have pieces of the old jail bars remaining in there. Yeah, and we, like the jail doors are yeah. hanging up on the walls. Yeah, and we talked to the owner of the restaurant who said that he sometimes when he's there late at night, he hears things, but he doesn't like to admit what they are. He likes to pretend that they're like the ice machine or uh, Yeah, he said that noises. he hears things moving around. Yeah. And then they so, told us to go over to the apartment. So you can actually, it's open to the public to go into the front of the apartment complex. So you can't actually go up to any of the apartments, but you can walk in the front door and they have an old jail cell still mm-hmm. there that you can walk into. Yeah, like unchanged. It was the exact same jail mm-hmm. cell. They didn't do anything new to it. It's the same bars. And then the mailroom is basically in a jail cell too, which it, was really it cool. Is. Their mailboxes are in the jail cell. Yeah. I got we scared took pictures because I was the first one to walk through and there was a plant, like a pretty a floral arrangement in the jail cell, but I wasn't prepared for anything being in the jail cell. The leaves were reaching out. I was like, ah! and then Marissa behind me was like, ah! And I was like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> I know, you were so serious. You're like, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not scared. Um, <laughs> you're, you were third in line. I know, it's <laughs> You true. were protected. That's how I am in, like, everything. I like to be in the back. I'm usually always the front. I love being scared. <laughs> I like being scared, but I like to be – I like to know when I'm going to be scared. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so then apparently in a dining room of one of the apartments, there's a trap door – that is where all the hangings originally took place in the jail. I would not want to live no. in that apartment. Well, I wouldn't want to live in any of those apartments. Are you kidding? Yeah, they're all probably very, very haunted. haunted. And by people who probably had terrible lives. And, I mean, clearly the living conditions were terrible. So, I wonder if the Boston Strangler, is he dead now? Um, he might still be alive. That's a good question. At least I was going to say, I wonder if he haunts any of that property. Is it? Oh, he died in 1973. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So he very well may be... Haunting that place? Because he died before they made any renovations to the yeah, property. Definitely. So there's more to the ghost story of all this because there's a curse that was put on all of the sheriffs of Salem County by Giles Corey. So Giles Corey was born in Northampton, England in 1621, and he immigrated to Massachusetts Bay Colony sometime after marrying his first wife, Margaret. We also noticed when we were there that everyone had the name, like Martha, Mary, what was Emily. Emily. Because we were looking at a lot of the tombstones, and so many of them had the same names. Yeah, it was like the old traditional European names. Well, it's interesting because... He, when he moved to Salem Village in 1659, he became a successful farmer, and when his first wife died, he married a London immigrate, immigrant named Mary Bright. And then when Mary died, he married Martha Pannon, who was a widow. So his wife's names were Margaret Mary Martha. <laughs> also, he's a player. Clearly, he got married three times. Three times. Which I feel like wasn't that common back then. I mean, I could be totally wrong. I don't know history that yeah, well I don't know. at all. But it just seems like a lot. Like, were they divorced or did the wives pass it, away? They all died. Oh, okay. Because I know yeah. remarrying was a thing if you were a widow. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. They both died. The first two, his first two wives died and then Martha was a widow. Okay. On top of being a ladies' man, he was also known for being violent and beating his farmhand, Jacob Goodale. He beat him to death with a stick in 1676. And then uh, John Proctor was the one who testified against him. And unfortunately, Corey was only fined for the crime. But then this killing came back to haunt him during the Salem Witch Trials. So when the trials began, Giles and Martha were some of the first people to attend the pre-trial examinations at the Salem Village Meeting House, meaning that they were intrigued by all of it going on. So they went to the the um, meeting house to like see what the town was talking about and what was going on with all the witches and who was being accused and whatnot. And they sat there listening and were intrigued by it. 
Never do that. Never show your face. Right. But then his wife tried to prevent him from going to further meetings, but that caused suspicion. And so she was arrested on March 21st in 1692 on charges of witchcraft. And Corey was so swept up in the mass hysteria that he believed his wife was a witch and then testified against her. Can I just pause for a second? Because when we were in Salem, we were talking about who would be accused and not out of me, you and Marissa. And everyone voted that I would be accused. Sabrina would be an accuser. Yep. And Marissa would get away. Yeah. And Sabrina was like, oh, I would totally like get into all the hysteria and accuse people of being witches. Yeah. It's kind of like the, you know, like I bet anyone who's a hypochondriac right now would, would have accused people. I'm a hypochondriac. But think about it. Because it's like illness. So maybe you would have been an accuser. I don't oh my gosh, I could have seen you. I could see you. Okay, I could see both versions for you. But I could see you so getting into being like possessed and pinned with a, by a voodoo doll. I could see you like convulsing on the ground and being like. But at the same time, I feel like I'm too intense where I might. Someone that I loved was accused. I don't think I would believe it. Right. None of them were actually witches. And I feel like you would be smart enough that. I feel like you would be a real witch yeah. and be like laughing like, haha, they have no idea. <laughs> I'm a real witch and they're killing the wrong people. Maybe they were real witches. We don't know that they were. That's true. That's true. Because maybe there was a whole coven and they just took the fall and the whole coven came together and was like, we're so sorry, but you just have to go through with this to protect the rest of us. Right. We all never know. But so, yeah, he... Uh, Giles Corey testified against his wife, Martha, on March 24th, and during his testimony, he spoke of a sudden illness of his ox and his pet cat and described how his wife would stay up late at night and kneel by the fireplace as if in prayer, but he never heard her recite any prayers. But then on April 18th of 1692, an arrest warrant was issued for Giles Corey after Anne Putnam... Mercy Lewis, Abigail Williams, Mary Walcott, and Elizabeth Hubbard accused him of practicing witchcraft against them. After Corey was arrested and brought in for examination, he realized how crazy and bonkers all of this was and had a complete change of mind. So during his examination on April 19th, Judge John Hawthorne and Judge Jonathan Corwin, who lived at the Salem Witch House, repeatedly accused him of lying and even tied his hands to prevent him from practicing witchcraft in the courtroom. And there was a record of they untied his hands. And once he did, all of the girls began to have fits in the courtroom. And um, how convenient. Right? I know. Uh, Giles Corey realized that like everything was crazy and during his trial, he was no longer willing to testify or talk or like, say anything because he was like no matter what i say they're going to accuse me mm-hmm. and he was so resistant to participate in the witch trials his own trial never moved forward and he was never convicted because he died while being tortured by sheriff corwin that september so the torture was a result of his refusal to enter a plea for his trial Corey had taken advantage of a widely used legal tactic known as standing mute and refused to enter a plea so his case could not continue. And because of that, English law at the time ordered any prisoner who did that to be tortured in an attempt to force a plea out of the prisoner. So it was known as um, strong and harsh punishment, which was basically pressing. So the torture procedure consisted of stripping the prisoner naked, laying him on the ground, and placing a board with heavy stones on top of him. The weight was slowly increased over the course of several days until the prisoner yielded. Knowing he would die anyway, Corey refused to enter a plea and refused to speak even while he was being pressed. It is said that Corey urged the executioners to increase the weight, which was crushing him. He told them there was no use and that he would not be expected to tell anything so there was only one way the matter could end and so they may as well pile on the rocks as his body yielded the pressure his tongue protruded from his mouth and an official forced it back with his cane oh man i know this is kind of gruesome 
Some prisons now living remember a popular superstition lingering in the minds of some of the more ignorant class that Corey's ghost haunted the grounds where his barbarous deed was done and that boys, as they sported in the vicinity, were in the habit of singing a ditty beginning thus, more weight, more weight, Giles Corey cried. We didn't go together to the witch museum because the line was too long, but a few weeks ago when Nikita was in town visiting, we went... Mm-hmm. And one, they go and highlight a bunch of different people that were either accused or the accusers in the Salem Witch Trials. And he was one of the ones that they talked about in the museum. And they had a voiceover of him underneath the stones being like, more weight. Yeah. More Ugh. weight. I mean, the tenacity and like, like I would have broken. I would have just said I'm a witch. The Like that's. That torture is crazy. Yeah. Because it's such a slow... But no matter what, you're going to die. Right. But I guess, I don't know. If you say you're a witch, then they'll either hang you or burn you or throw you into the water and hold you with a stick underneath the water so that you can't surface. Right. So it's like, which which way is the way way to go? Which way torture is the worst, yeah. Oh, gosh. But, okay, so then the church... Why didn't anyone just run? Run into the woods. Just run. I'm sure there were people who did. I would have. I would have hung out in the trees and then hunted down everyone who accused me very slowly over time. But it also sounds like they... Like, people who had no reason to believe that they were going to be accused got accused randomly and then were taken Mm -hmm. right away into jail. So it was like, you don't really have much of a warning. That's true. Um... So on September 18th, Giles Corey was excommunicated from the church and argued that he was either guilty of witchcraft or suicide due to his choice to endure torture rather than a plea. And either way, he was considered a sinner and was cast out of the church. And after being tortured, he finally died on September 19th, 19, or sorry, 1692. And it has been rumored that Corey placed a curse on Salem and its sheriffs during his torture by shouting, Damn you, I curse you and Salem, at the sheriff before he died. Four years after his death, Sheriff Corwin died suddenly of a heart attack at just 30 years old. So the legend suggests that Corey not only cursed Corwin, but also every single Salem sheriff since 1692. And there are a lot of reasons to believe that being true. What? Really? Yeah, so like sheriff- present day sheriffs as well. Mm-hmm. So Sheriff Corwin was the first one, and a lot of them are heart problems. So Sheriff Cahill, who was elected sheriff in the seventies, died at the age of seventy, and in 1978 he was forced out of office by a heart attack and a stroke brought on by a rare blood disease. And he even thinks that it might be a curse left over from the witch hunt of 1692. When he retired, he noticed a coincidence that all the way up until his own administration, there was a large number of Salem, Salem sheriffs that had either died or been forced from office due to heart or blood ailments. So then there was Roger Wells, the sheriff mm-hmm. before Cahill, who developed sugar diabetes at the at the end of his, his career. And there was Charles Reardon, the sheriff after Cahill, who was forced to resign from the office in 1996, not for health reasons, but in a corruption scandal that ended his already troubled administration and sent him to federal prison for a year. And then the current sheriff, Frank Cousins, is without problems and scandal, but there's still time. I don't know how to feel about it because... Heart disease is very common in people who are older, and especially men that are middle-aged have right. a lot of heart disease. But there was a, like, the one said a rare blood disease. Yeah. I guess, too, if we look at the population of Salem, it's right. not all that big. So for the amount of sheriffs and the amount of police officers mm-hmm. there, it might be abnormal. Um. Yeah, I just don't know what to think. I know. Because it's also either. like what what period of time was this? Because people didn't have long lifespans back in the day anyway. Right. People were smoking cigarettes. But it's an odd coincidence. It is. That's true. It's an odd it's coincidence. Lot. And it and 
even if it's not true, it's interesting that there's a common theme among the sheriffs of Salem. Mm-hmm. And it, it reminds me of my friend Olivia because we say that she's cursed. Because what? every Why? time she graduates from a school or transfers to a different school, one of her direct teachers would die. That's really, really sad. It happened like every time. I don't know about college. I should ask her. She's in grad school now too, so even more people to pick from. Just stop going to school. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop it, Olivia. You don't need your stop PhD. Stop being smart. Stop getting educated. But geez, I didn't know about that. Now I want to go mm-hmm. ask people in Salem, stop the police and be like, is your heart okay? I know. Have you gotten your checkup? Well, so that's probably a tough position to run for and be like, I'm going to run for sheriff. I really want this job. But there's also the possibility of me getting a weird, weird heart disease and ending my career or life, possibly. I want to be the sheriff of Halloween Town. That would be really cool. Do you have a witch story? I do. So my uncle by marriage is related to three of the sisters that were accused in the Salem witch trials. So I'm indirectly related to the witches, but I think I'm actually related to them. And when we were out in Salem, we met a guy that was a descendant of one of them. And I was like, we're cousins! And he was like, cool, everyone's a cousin. There are a million descendants. (laughs) Yeah, he was like, so what? We think it's cool. I think it's really cool. I tell everyone I'm related to a witch. Yeah, I think it's maybe the coolest thing I know about you. Thank you. You should put it on your resume. <laughs> Practice <laughs> <a> witch. <laughs> Descendant of the Salem Rebecca, witches. Rebecca, Mary, and Sarah. <laughs> Hire me or you never know <laughs> what will happen. I'll put them as my references and they'll have to just – Oh, my gosh. Some yes. of the dead to, to know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So Rebecca Nurse, she's probably one of the most famous of the accused. She was one of the first people accused Mm -hmm. um, of being a witch. And she was a lot older. She was an elderly woman. She could hardly even walk. She was basically on bed rest. Mm -hmm. And there was no reason for her to be accused. But these girls accused her of being a witch. She was put into jail. I'm not going to go like super into Rebecca because you can get so much information on her online. So just look it up. There's movies made about her she's definitely probably one of the more well-known of the accused but they put her in jail and then the girls continued to accuse her and say that her soul was visiting them and her spirit was attacking her or all of the girls so they put chains on this elderly woman who could hardly even move wrapped her in heavy chains in this jail cell so horrible so horrible. But Rebecca, she was one of eight children. She had two other siblings that were accused of being witches, Mary Eastie and Sarah Cloyce. Their maiden name was Town. So Rebecca, Mary, and Sarah Town. And those are the three <laughs> sisters that are indirectly but directly related to me. It is so cool. <laughs> I think it's awesome. I always tell my cousins who are actually like blood related to them mm-hmm. i'm like you're rich you're rich <laughs> do they have experiences i really do wonder um not nearly as much as me right but well it goes back to the question because like were they really witches or were they just accused and so mm-hmm. is there actually a witch in their blood did or, the real witches get away or here's another question because they were accused of being witches that they like in their afterlife came back to, like, make sure that their family were actually witches. Ooh, gave them the powers. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I like the idea of that. That's probably how witches were born. That could be, like, the next year's Halloween movie. You should write it. You're a writer. I could. But also, if anyone steals our idea, we copyrighted this. Yep, we po- we have proof of when we recorded and when we posted. It's on mm-hmm. the internet. Do not steal it. <laughs> okay, so Mary, Sarah, and Rebecca and their other five siblings were from England, but they came to America around 1640. Mary married Isaac Eastie, and together they had 11 children. And we learned when we were at the witch house in Salem that the rate of infant mortality or just children not making it to adulthood was super high. Like if you had 10 children, probably would, I believe the number was 60%. 60% of children passed away. 
right? The Corwins had, I think, 12 children, maybe maybe more than that, but only two of them made it to adulthood. Mm-hmm. It was very, very crazy. Yeah. So Mary and Isaac, they had 11 children. Like Rebecca, Mary was an upstanding citizen, but she was accused of being a witch. One of the girls, Mercy Lewis, pointed the finger at Mary and claimed that she was controlling her hands. So Mary was examined after being accused. And Mm -hmm. while she's being examined, and there's a whole group of people witnessing it, this girl, Mercy Lewis, said that as Mary clasped her hands together, just as a natural thing, as a human, you do, (laughs) while she was being questioned, all of a sudden, Mercy Lewis mimicked that and was like, she's making me clasp my hands, like taking control of me. Oh, my gosh. Mercy was crazy. And she also said, so Mary tilted her neck at one point during the examination. And then Mercy yelled out that Mary was trying to break her neck. And that doesn't even logically make sense because that means that she would have had to break her own neck. People, I literally have no idea what's going wrong with people. They were bored. They were so bored. The Puritan Mm. lifestyle was like... The children didn't get to play with toys. He was cold. Yeah, the to- toys were, like, frowned upon. Yes. Girls were just supposed to sit inside and do nothing and just knit. People were, like, actually going insane. There were, what's it, cabin fever. Mm-hmm. There's a really good movie. I think I've mentioned it to you before, but it's called The Witch. And it is it is one of the better movies I've seen in a very, very, like, it, it's it's so good. It was it was a Sundance film a few years ago, and it's about a family who lives in the 1600s and they are exiled from their town. Oh, I saw this. Be- you have? Yeah, I've seen it. It's so good. Yes, people and should then, watch uh, it. The sheep. Yeah, and it. I mean, I won't give I anything give else away. away. I've seen it. I've seen it. It's really good. It is. But yeah, so Mercy also claimed. That Mary's spirit had come to her during the night and touched her boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I just nodded. <laughs> Mary was said to have defended herself with remarkable eloquence during her examination and her trial. And was released from prison just two months after being arrested. But the girls that had accused her originally did not let up. And they continued to claim that Mary was attacking them. And so she was arrested again. And on September 9th, Mary was tried and she was sentenced to death. She was hanged on September 22nd, just a few months after her sister, Rebecca Nurse, was hanged. It's so sad. The youngest sister and the youngest of all eight children, Sarah, Sarah Cloyce, she married Edmund Bridges and had six children. And then her husband passed away. So she remarried Peter Cloyce. And then she had three more children with him. So she had a total of nine children. She defended her sister, Rebecca, when Rebecca Nurse was accused originally. And then Mm -hmm. when Rebecca was denounced, Sarah stormed out and slammed the door of the church shut, which is like a very risky move with everyone being accused of stuff. So she did that. A few days later, she was arrested for witchcraft and for afflicting Abigail Williams, the reverend's niece, and Mary Walcott. She refused to confess, and she even yelled at her accusers, calling them liars. So very different than her sister, Mary, who was said to, like, speak very eloquently. She was yelling at them, like, you're a freaking liar, blah, 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 cursing them out. She definitely didn't keep her cool, but it ended up working. Well, I wouldn't either. Yeah, she's pissed. And, like, she I mean, they're accusing everyone she knows, and then, like... Her sister. Then they accuse her because she had a natural reaction to being afraid and upset about her family. She knew it was all bullshit, so she wasn't having it. Yeah. I give them peace of my mind. She was acquitted, and she was released from prison in January 1693. She's pretty badass in court, and she petitioned for the opportunity to present her own evidence in support of her her innocence and a petition to exclude spectral evidence because that was used Mm. against Rebecca um, and Mary, both of her sisters, when people were like, Oh, their spirits are coming. And like, even though they're in jail, they're still attacking me. And Sarah was like, that's not a thing. So like, you can't include that (laughs) as evidence. It's literally not a thing and you can't prove it. Right. So after Mary's hanging, one of the girls that accused her, Mary Herrick was visited by the ghost of Mary Eastie, the one that was hanged. Mm-hmm. and the one that was hanged told the other Mary that she was wrongfully accused 
and so the living Mary testified on her behalf. The family was given 20 pounds from the government for wrongful conviction, which is the equivalent today of $4,810. Not a lot, but okay. But it's something. It's something. Sarah spent the last 10 years of her life trying to clear the names of her sisters, Mary and Rebecca. And after Sarah passed, her two sisters were eventually found innocent. And Anne Putnam, who was one of the accusers, and basically the woman to start it all, I believe she was the one that originally accused Rebecca Nurse because she was crazy. Mm -hmm. She named all three sisters and said that she had falsely accused them. So she basically was like, whoops, I lied. Sorry. Jeez. Yeah. They're like Um, those – the group of girls that accused everyone was the olden days mean girls. Seriously. Oh, my God. Yes. It was like old day bullying, but – Yeah. To the extreme. Yeah. They just killed everyone. It's like a cult where you basically get people to – you basically are indirectly killing people. Like how Charles Manson got everyone to kill people for him. Yep. I was thinking about it, and I was like, I should have done – we should have done Charles Manson and the girls for Halloween because we have long oh, hair. That would have been cool. Next, Next year. year. Group costume. Who's going to be Charles Manson? Me. <laughs> I always like being the boy. You know that. Oh. I love dressing up as men. <laughs> That's an easy costume actually too. Yeah, it would be. Very creepy. But yeah, so this, this woman, Ann Putnam, was like, yeah, never mind. Sorry about that. And I saw that more recently in the past, however many, a few decades or mm-hmm. so, there's been stuff to come out to say, like, you know, like, let's basically not let any of what happened in the witch trials affect the descendants or the families of those of the accused. Right. But I'm thinking, like, okay, what about the accusers? Because I wouldn't yeah. – I feel like there has to be some protection against Ann Putnam's descendants. What are they doing? Hopefully right. they're Okay. I'm sure they are. We haven't heard about them. I hope so. Maybe they're in hiding. Or maybe <laughs> I'm a descendant. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, you already know what you're descendant of. No, I'm indirectly. But that's still... I don't know. We'll find out. I got to do Ancestry.com. What oh, do I am? What if I, I want to do that, too. <laughs> yeah. It would be interesting to see. Definitely. I also have such a mix of background that I have no idea, like, what I actually am. You should do – I told you that for Christmas I'm getting 23 and me. You should for your do family? it too. Well, it's just – I don't know if the rest of my family is going to do it. But, yeah, I, my mom texted me the other day. She said, what do you want? I said, 23 and me. I want to spit into a tube, That's send it cool. off, and find out where I'm from. Because my parents Ooh. were saying – they were like, okay, like, yeah, we know that we're from these countries. But, like, 200 years ago, mm-hmm. other people could have gone – our ancestors could have gone to those countries. And then since they moved there, just been like, yep. I'm from here now. Right. But aren't actually, so. It's so cool. We'll find out. I'll report back. I'm probably. I can't wait to hear. I'm excited. But anyway, back to the story. So these three sisters, Mary, Rebecca, and Sarah, they indirectly helped end the witch hunt because they actually were respected members of their community and devout Puritans. And after the accusations and the executions, It caused a lot of backlash with their close friends and neighbors who believed them the entire time. So part of the town was in uproar about it, and the other part were the ones accusing and and hanging. So uh, Rebecca and Mary were among 13 women, six men, and two dogs that were hanged as suspected witches. Two dogs? They think now that the dogs probably had rabies, and that's why they were accused, but I don't actually know the details. That's just what they told me at the Witch Museum. So, yeah, it was 13 women, six men, and two dogs that were hanged, and then your guy, Giles Corey, Mm -hmm. was tortured under a pile of stones. So there were quite a few horrible things to happen to people. This comes up a lot, these stories of the witches and actually these specific women are mentioned a lot in pop culture. There's a bunch of different movies about them. Mary are they Eastie. mentioned? Are they? They're mentioned in the Crucible, aren't they? Yes, they are. Because so is Giles Corey. Yeah. Mary Eastie was mentioned in The Conjuring. She's oh, also wow. mentioned in Charmed. 
There's a bunch. Like, there's a legit movie about Rebecca Nurse. Like, right. And um, Sarah and Mary were both referenced in the three, so- or maybe even Rebecca, in the three sovereigns for Sarah, which oh, is wow. a PBS drama from the 80s. Wow. So I did another story because that was just like a little bit of background on the Salem witches. Right. But and your family? <laughs> my family. <laughs> but I know a lot of the time when we think about witches, we think about Salem. So mm-hmm. I wanted to do something, another witch story that wasn't from Salem. Oh, cool. And I know technically I did one that wasn't from Salem before because we did the Bell Witch Haunting. Mm-hmm. But this one's over in England. Ooh. For our UK fans. Yes. I'm going to really butcher the name of this, so... Okay. Sorry. We're going to get corrections and... And I'm never going to say it we're on never the gonna podcast. Address it. I'm going to be like, good yeah. to know for the future. Yeah. So, Canoden is a village in the Rockford district of Essex in England, and it's famous for witchcraft. The town is locally known as the Village of Witches. Ooh. So, the village is up on a hill, and it's believed to have been used as a camp for a battle in Essex in year 1013. In the 1300s, the Church of St. Nicholas was built and stands up on that hill, 120 feet above the marshes. So overlooking the marshes. Probably very beautiful. I didn't look at any photos, but (laughs) I assume so. It sounds pretty. During the 19th century, a man named George Pickingill lived in the village and practiced pagan rituals on the church grounds. This may have helped local legends manifest into what they are today because he practiced a combo of Arabic mysticism, Christian heresy, Danish paganism, and French witchcraft. Jesus Christ, what a... He had his hand in a lot of buckets. I don't even know how to say half those things. I can't say it fast. Yeah, that's a tongue twister. He basically is probably a witch. So he helped create nine different covens around the area, and it was said that he would call on his witches for a gathering near St. Nicholas Church, so somewhere on the grounds of that church Wait, that's area. that's cool. He would help heal the sick, so he was very nice, but then also sometimes he wasn't so nice, and he would curse those that he didn't like or anyone that tried or did something wrong to him, so people really tried hard to not offend him. So. But he's basically just a human because... He was just emotional and, like, he had too much power and he didn't really know how to handle it. Yeah. It was believed that there were six witches. There were three that were poor and three that were from wealth. Is this in one of his covens? This is on the property, the St. Nicholas Church, that there's believed to be six witches. In the year of 1580, so this is before the Salem Witch Trials, in the year of 1580, there were three witches or witch trials that spanned ten years. Rose Pye was accused of using witchcraft to kill a toddler from a local farm. Rose was acquitted but died in jail because she couldn't pay the fee to be let out. Which is another thing we learned when we were at the witch house, right? Was that... Oh, no. Maybe I learned it at the witch museum. Yeah, I, like, I, I learned a lot a few weeks ago. I wish we had gone. <laughs> but one of the things was the people had to... When they were in jail, there weren't, like, taxes where taxpayers would pay for people to be in mm-hmm. jail. So people would be put in jail and expected to pay for their own, like, food and lodge. They basically had to pay rent and pay for their own food when they were put in jail, which is so crazy. So a lot of people couldn't afford to get out, and they would have to have other help, or they'd end up staying there for another year or two until enough friends and family could get enough money to let them free. But wait, isn't that a little contradictory? They had to pay to be in jail, but then if they couldn't pay to get out of jail, they... Stayed in jail? Doesn't it also not make sense to call someone a witch if they slam a door? (laughs) No. (laughs) You're right. So Rose was acquitted, but she died because she couldn't pay her way out. And in 1585, so five years later, Cecile Mackin was accused of witchcraft and sentenced to five years. But five years later, she was charged again and was punished by excommunication. So at least she was just, you know... It's like the movie right. The Witch. Like, she was just banished. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I had said before that there were three witches that were accused over ten years. I think it was in that town there's a record of three witch trials that span ten years, and I only wrote about two of them. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Ellipse. Go Google it. 
So people (laughs) believe that the village and the church specifically, so that ground where George Pickingill and his witches practiced, they believe that it was the center of witchcraft and the six witches that are said to have been practicing there with him and still are there reside in the church's steeple. And folklore has it that if you walk counterclockwise seven times around the church on Halloween, a witch will appear. I also read in other versions of this folklore that the devil will appear, but either one, probably not good. If you make 13 laps counterclockwise, you will disappear. So police will Uh. seal off the church because of the influx of visitors around Halloween. They don't want all these people going and roaming around the church. That's crazy. Yeah. Supposedly, one of the witches is buried at the crossroads near Knoden, and it is said that she haunts that location. She was also thought to have committed suicide, but other people say that she was hung and then buried there. And then another one of the witches is thought to have drowned in the river and was buried in the field because in that particular spot, no crops will grow. Oh, wow. On top of the witches, there are also ghosts in this town. There's the gray lady wearing the bonnet, and she's been seen in the graveyard and in the parking lot. She's been seen floating from the church's west gate down towards the river, and people have claimed to see her walk across the river once she reaches the water's edge. There is also a ghost of a headless woman. She's been spotted, but she's not a good one to come in contact with. If she finds you... She will lift you up in the air and dump you into the nearest ditch. She just, like, chucks you through the air. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. One man saw a young woman dancing in the churchyard. Another man... Oh, I hate this one. I forgot about this one. (laughs) Another man was on his motorcycle in the 1980s and was chased by a small demonic entity that was keeping pace with his bike. Oh, my gosh. Very scary. And it's like you're not in a car. You're not protected. You're just out in the open. What if he touches you? In 2008, there was a small black mist that was seen darting in front of cars and affecting traffic. And locals have reported seeing a white crusader with a red band on his chest. So. Jeez. There's a lot of ghosts and witches. Yeah. I have a question. Mm-hmm. What year was what year was he first practicing with these witches? It was the 19th century, so sometime in the 1800s. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But that place has been around for a while. Like, there was a battle in the 11th century, and then in the 14th century, the church was built. And then in the 19th century yeah. was when he did all his stuff with his witches. But it's interesting because there's proof that they were actually practicing witches, whereas in Salem, there's no proof that they were really witches or doing anything. It was Mm -hmm. just these crazy women who were accusing people of it. Yeah. Yeah. I have – are you done with your story? Yeah. I just have one final question for you. If you had the opportunity to go there on Halloween night, would you make that 13th lap or that 7th lap around the church counterclockwise? I would do seven. So you'd go and see the witch or the devil? Yeah. But you wouldn't disappear? No. I would never risk that. No. I'm curious. I'm so curious as to where you go, but I don't want to risk that. Would you? What would you do? I would do one lap around just to see what it was about, and then I'd watch from afar, watch other people do it. So you want me to go first and let you know what happens? I don't want you to go at all. I don't want either of us to go. I was just curious. Well, maybe we go there for Halloween next year instead of no. Salem. No. For just a two-day weekend. <laughs> just a, a quick trip. A quick trip to go see the witches. <laughs> the devil. No, thanks. No. Yeah, I'd rather go scary. to St. Augustine. I bet it's cool down there for Halloween. Because it's all the pirates and the ghost tours. We all know you want to go there for Andrew Ranson and Dude, the I'm ghost just saying, tours. I bought a love potion in Salem, and I'm pretty sure it's going to work on Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you guys are destined to be together. Pretty sure we're already together. He just doesn't know it. Um, I was told when I got my tarot cards read that I'm a um, 
Astral traveler, is that what it is? Yes, an astral traveler. So you have out-of-body experiences. But then a lot of them happen when I dream, which is true because most of my experiences, if not all of them, happen in my dreams. And it's funny because one of our listeners even emailed and said that based on what they'd heard you say, they felt like that was something that was possible for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I have one last thing that I forgot to say in my Giles Corey story. Oh, yeah. Um, So in Salem, there was a fire in 1914. And when it happened, someone saw a ghostly figure of a man floating through the cemetery and it started near Gallows Hill where Corey's wife, Martha, and the other people were hanged for witchcraft. And they believe that it might have been Drow's Corey and his, and, or other, all the other witch ghosts who were starting the fire. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Oh, that's so cool. It's like revenge. Yeah. And there was one more thing that it was said. Like it, it said that his ghost appears before terrible events happen. It's just like we were just talking about this when the cats appear before something happens or it's a premonition. Someone's relative. Oof. Premonition. I know. And we know most witches most witches are good. Mm-hmm. They are practicing I'm not i I'm not sure what the correct term is. If people prefer to be called Wiccans or witches. It's something else. I don't know what it is, and maybe it's regional, but Again, in the Witch Museum, one of the last parts of the tour is where you learn about modern-day witches, and I kind of tuned out at this part. But I know, I remember one part where they said, like, don't call them Wiccans. I don't know, though. I feel like we see it all the time on people's, like, Instagram bios and I think it just depends on, I guess it's preference and what you want to be called. Yeah, what particularly you're practicing and maybe, like, what area you live in. Yeah. Well, it's dangerous to practice in dark arts and dark magic, and everyone knows that from Harry Potter. Um, should we read emails? Oh, yeah. I forgot that we do that. This one actually is on theme because it's called The Witch Board. This is from Lainey, who's the host of We're All Just Pretending, and she says, I've been thinking about the story I want to share with you for your show. It's short and sweet, I think. So here it goes. Growing up, I had this friend named Sandra. She was about four years older than me, but we were inseparable. I would always spend time at her apartment since we lived in the same complex. My mom would drop me off whenever she had to work late, and Sandra and I always had a great time whenever we were together. We both liked scary things, like are you afraid of the dark or unsolved mysteries? (laughs) One night, Sandra tells me her mom has a witch board in her closet. I ask her what it is, and she says it's for witches to communicate with spirits, like a Ouija board, but only stronger. Now, I had watched the craft, so I knew what a Ouija board is. And yes, we did light as a feather, thick as a board. In any case, she goes and pulls it out of her mom's closet and asks me if I want to use it. Of course, I say yes. Foreshadowing will tell you that this was a poor choice. <laughs> Leia agrees. So there we are, <laughs> sitting in her room with candles lit. And we are asking the board questions. We ask if there are any spirits present, and then we get a Yes. I scream at Sandra not to move it, and she says she didn't. So I trust her, and we continue asking the spirit some questions. We get the name Emily. Then Sandra says, that is the ghost in my mom's room. I look at her wide-eyed like, what the fuck did you just say? Now, here's the thing. I loved being scared, but I hated the idea of something paranormal being in my home. So now I want to stop. I tell her, let's put it up and go play. She reluctantly agrees, and we go outside and forget what happened. Fast forward to after dinner, and we're sitting on the couch with her mom watching Home Improvement. Now the way we were situated on the couch was like this. Sandra's mom, Sandra, and then myself. I had the seat closest to the hallway leading towards the bedrooms. As we were watching the show, I see something in my peripheral that is glowing and passes quickly by. I feel a jolt of fear punch me in the stomach, and I try to ignore it. Then I see it again, and this time I look over, like an idiot, and see this woman dressed in a nightgown who was walking in her mom's bedroom. Ooh. I tell Sandra what I'm seeing, and she whispers, that's Emily. Ew, no! (laughs) Why? Don't say it like that. I had to act it out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it got me. Her mom basically confirms, and I start saying, I'd like to go home now. 
Her mom says I can't since my mom is working late and basically toughen up. She wasn't the comforting type, clearly. She was just a matter-of-fact mom. Okay, so for some reason that evening, we decided to sleep in the living room. I kind of forget about what I saw and just try to focus on talking with Sandra about Devin, Sawa, or some other heartthrob we found on Tiger Beat. We drift off and we are awoken by what feels like an earthquake. We sit up on the ground, we sit up and the ground is shaking and we just look at each other terrified. It lasts maybe 15 seconds and we're just like, wow, that was an earthquake in Texas? Cool. We weren't really scared, so we adjust ourselves to go back to sleep. Then I spot a tan looking caterpillar by Sandra's pillow. I tell her, ew, there's a bug by your head. And she sits up and grabs it and says, it's a maggot. I was confused since I thought only they were only on dead things. So as she gets up to throw it in the trash, when she's walking back to her sleeping bag, we both suddenly see the room fill up with maggots. What? Isn't it a sign of, like, the devil, too? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not a good sign. They were being pushed through the carpet. We rush to the highest place. She's on the couch and I'm on the chair and we're scared out of our minds. Mind you, we don't scream or yell for help. I just feel my heart racing and we make eye contact like this isn't a dream, right? When we break our gaze, we look down and the maggots are just gone. Like they were never there. Then we pick up our sleeping bags and go back to her room. We fall asleep, eventually holding each other's hands lightly. When we wake up the next day, we ask her mom if she felt the earthquake and she has no idea what we're talking about. Then we we check the trash can for the maggot she threw away and nothing, no sign of it anywhere. I I don't know what happened that night, but I decided that my sleepovers with Sandra would never include the witch board again. Keep up the great works, lady. Great work, ladies. Love the show. Clearly, the witch board is much stronger than the Ouija board. Yeah. It's... That's, like, it actually reminds me of, like, witchcraft sort of stuff, where you can get into the mind of someone and have them envision something that's not actually there. Well, her story kind of makes me think that they didn't really, they also didn't really know how to use a witch board, so they may not have, like, closed out of it properly or ended their talk with the witch properly. Right. Which opened up to maggots on the floor and weird shaking and terrifying things. When you use a witch board, are you communicating with a deceased witch or are you channeling the energy and communicating with someone who might still be alive but they're practicing witchcraft and just... Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. It says communicate with spirits like a Ouija board, but only stronger. Okay. Let's do the Yeah. We could do that when we do like a Ouija board episode, we can do Ouija board and witch board and or witch, something. Okay. That sounds good. We've got, we got to do like Ouija forms of soon. communicating. We have a lot of Ouija board. We've got some possession. We I know. We got to hit I those know. soon. The email that we got is called grandma's ghost question mark. Kate sent it to us. She said, hello ladies. I wanted to share my most memorable ghost slash spirit experience. My childhood home was full of activity and I had numerous encounters there, but this was the one that stands out the most. My grandma had died about a week before this experience. Whether or not it was her spirit, I'm still unsure of because she was a gentle person. This experience scared me so much that I still remember it vividly to this day. It was my freshman year in college and I had missed most of my classes that week due to my grandma's death. I was home alone aside from my beagle taking a nap when I heard a very faint tapping noise. I sat up from my bed and looked around the room and I didn't see anything. I thought maybe I'd just dreamt it, so I laid back down and I closed my eyes. As soon as I did that, I heard the tapping again. My eyes snapped open at this point and I was scared to look because I could tell that it was coming from the end of my bed. I gathered up my courage to sit up slowly and noticed a wire hanger was gently tapping on my floor. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. I rationalized this because the hanger was slightly bent and I thought maybe the AC was creating a draft. I got out of the bed. I moved the hanger. Feeling satisfied, I laid back down again. My room was right next to the main door of our house. The door had a very loud squeaky glass door that you have to open before you can knock on the main door behind it. Within a minute of laying down, there were three loud knocks (gasps) on the door. I damn near, I have chills. So does Leia. I damn near jumped out of bed that time and immediately knew there was no way there was someone outside because I would have heard the glass door first. 
I sat in my bed with my knees to my chest for probably 15 minutes or so when I realized that I'd never heard my dog bark, and he barks at everything. I began to panic, thinking maybe something had happened to him, and I willed myself out of the living room where I found him sound asleep. Idiotically, I told my dad about this, and to this day, he teases me every time he sees a wire hanger. I have to admit (laughs) that it is somewhat comical, and I've tried to reason with it. Maybe I was dreaming. I've had different experiences in my life in that house and other places, so that makes this very hard to write off. I like to pretend that it was my grandma simply telling me that she'd made it somewhere safe, but she wouldn't really try to scare me like that. Anyway, love the podcast and so excited for more. You better believe I rated you ladies five stars and a good review. Dang! Thanks, Kate. Oh my gosh. Thanks, Kate. Everyone else should do that too. Yeah, please do. Okay, two things about that story. Mm-hmm. One, if that if the hanger was moving because of the AC, it wouldn't have like tapped and then moved. It would have consistently been doing that. Because the AC wouldn't like... Unless Change. it kicked off and kicked back on, but wouldn't you hear it probably? Right. But then also the second thing, the knocking on the door makes it sound like the knocking was coming from inside if you didn't hear the screen door. <gasps> Ooh, I didn't think about that. I was thinking that it was in between the glass door and the front door. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, it, it could have been. I mean, they go through things, go through, go through things, but like it's very possible. <sighs> Ugh, it's so scary. That is really scary. Well, guys, thank you for sending us emails. We have You're so many, yeah. and we're trying to to connect them and relate them to the emails we're doing, mm-hmm. but we're also trying to hit all the people that emailed us first. So right. we're doing our best. Keep listening. You'll definitely hear your story eventually. And keep emailing us. Send your stories to twogirlsonegoespodcast at gmail.com. We love getting them. Mm-hmm. And we have Twitter, we have Instagram, we have a Facebook page. And you guys should all like Kate. Go give us a review on iTunes and give us five stars. And don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. I know it was Halloween and it's so fun to listen to spooky stories during the season, but we are not going anywhere. We are Mm-mm. staying spooky. All right. We will. See you on the other side.